Welcome back to episode five of Money Equals M Squared, brought to you by Lagus Lucas and Torello Wealth Management. My name is Mike Torello, and I'm here with my co-host, Mike Lucas, and today's guest, Amanda Zorovich from eXp Realty. Today's episode is titled, How to Prepare to Buy a Home. And Amanda is going to answer a couple questions that she gets asked most by her clients. She'll walk you through the process when working with her clients and prepare them to buy a home. So Amanda, comes on the show because she was actually my realtor when my wife and I bought our house in Wallingford. And the whole process with Amanda was great. And that was what Eileen and I really liked was she explained everything, she made it easy, and we didn't ask these questions. She just told us the answer to these questions, which made our process easier because we didn't have to think about what to ask. So I wanted to bring Amanda on to answer some of these questions so people can start thinking on their own. So. Amanda, before we get started today, why don't you just introduce yourself, tell everyone a little bit about you. Um, so I'm Amanda, and um, thank you, Mike and Mike, for having me on the show today. Um, I'm a realtor. I have been for approximately, I guess, 13 years now. Um, and uh, I wouldn't say it ever gets easier. It's always a challenge, um, but it's um, I enjoy doing it very much. Um, I'm originally from Vermont, so what I usually tell people is I try to bring a little bit of that lifestyle here to Connecticut when it comes to working with my buyers and sellers, maybe a little bit more laid back, personal, authentic, genuine, um, at the same time, you know, providing a lot of knowledge uh, and experience. Awesome. So let's dive right into this. We have eight questions that we're going to go over with you today. Mm -hmm. So the first one is when someone's looking, how do they find the right agent? So there's a lot of different ways, and you know, and if I think back, Mike, about how you found me, actually, and this is going back several years, I think at some point in time you started to search online, right? and you must have entered your name and information into some sort of a, a, a website, and maybe in order to see additional information, that, that's what probably prompted you to do that. And I believe that's how you got to me, actually. So there's a lot of different CRMs out there. And then it's up to the agent to, you know, to respond and, and call you right away. You may have actually emailed me directly before I got to calling you. So some people find their agent, you know, whether it be through Zillow, Realtor.com. You may know a local broker down the road. Most of my clients, I think, find me from word of mouth. Um, whether it's my neighbor or someone I've worked with in the past, a family member, usually it's a referral. Um, there's no right or wrong way to find the right agent. I think if anything, it's if someone does contact you, um, asking all the right questions to make sure that they're a good fit for you. You know, it's kind of corny to say a matchmaker, I think, but I think that you can usually tell whether or not you're, you've been matched with the right agent or not. So asking the questions to make sure that person can help you. Yeah, so I mean, you mentioned like, I found you searching online, right? Like yeah. I, I didn't have a realtor to go to. Mm -hmm. um, we were very early in our home buying process, but there were a couple things that were important to me and one was the speed of communication, Absolutely. right? And in and, and today's environment, that's more important than ever for everyone. For me, when we were buying our house a few years ago, that was the most important thing. And I remember, put my name in a search, I think it kicked back eight or 10 local realtors. And you know, my thing was, it had, they had to be from Wallingford, your office was downtown at the time. Um, I wanted somebody local and I wanted someone to get back to me. And you got back to me, I think within an hour of me putting that search in. So it checked the initial boxes. Yeah. 
right? Then we, then we met, we went through, like you said, we found that fit to be able to say, okay, we can work together. Now let's start looking at houses. Absolutely. I think, you know, most buyers and sellers alike, and, and just human nature is we want instant gratification. Uh, whether it doesn't matter what we do, but it just seems like so what will happen is is you know buyers will put their name in and it may go off to several different agents and the first person you know um, that's usually the first person that you'll meet with and so if you're not the first one there, you could have matched with somebody else. Um, you know there are you know platforms like Zillow and Realtor and things like that and there are agents that pay to be on those websites to be premier agents and stuff like that. And now what some of those websites are doing is they're doing like an instant connect where you know they're gonna capture your information. There's gonna be a text that goes to the agent that says, hey, can you hop on a call right now and talk to this buyer? Because statistics show that buyers and sellers want instant gratification. So yeah, absolutely, timing is important. And then it just so happens that fortunately everything else lined up as well. Right, exactly. To, to piggyback that point, Amanda, in today's market now, with markets, with, with housing flying off the shelves quickly, you want a realtor that you know is gonna get back to you right away, so you can put that offer in, right? Um, absolutely, so the, this is just an insane market that we're in right now. Um, you know, I actually, I was, I was uh, messaging a potential buyer last night, probably around quarter of 10 last night, and you know, there's a lot of jobs that have very specific hours, and, and even realtors may set themselves very specific hours, nine to five, you know, eight to four, whatever it may be. When you're in a challenging market like this, there really kind of hours go out the window in that sense, because if something does come on the market, you have to be available to be able to run out and show that house. And that also has to do with, you know, how many buyers you may take on at one time too, because if you don't have the availability to show a house on a specific day and a highest and best is due, then the potential of that buyer losing out is, is pretty great. So, you know, this particular buyer last night, um, the house doesn't go live until Friday, and it just came up as a coming soon. She wants to see it on Saturday, and it's all booked up. So now I have to try and find a way to get in on Saturday, um, and so that's, that's my homework after this, actually, is to call that agent and beg to see if I can get her in. And you have that, that good connection with other agents to be able to, to get and to see a house like that as well. Oh, absolutely. So your relationship with other agents, I think, is really key. Um, that makes it a little bit difficult for some of the newer agents getting into the business. Nothing wrong with a newer agent, though, as long as they have a good mentor. Um, and that mentor has the connections. But yeah, your connections with other realtors you know, is of utmost importance. I may or may not have seen Mike ever again, but I, chances are I will work with that other agent again in the future. So maintaining those relationships is really key in a, in a business like this. The other agents know your reputation. They know whether or not you bring good buyers to the table. Um, and, and sometimes that can be the difference. You know, it's interesting you mention that because I remember back to our experience and in Wallingford, in the price point we were looking in, there was basically four other agents that had all the listings. Yes. So we looked at you know 15 or 20 houses and only saw the same for agents over and over again, but your conversation with them when they were showing the house was essentially uh, coffee talk by the front door, while Eileen and I were basically able to walk around and just be ourselves and see what we wanted to see. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I have the opportunity to 
um, you know, talk with another agent. You know, granted, any information about the buyer is confidential. So that's it's it's not just confidential to the public, but it's also confidential to the listing agent as well. So you got to be careful not to cross that line. But as you said, to me, the coffee talk is really important. It's what kind of just um, no different than when a buyer meets me and we have a conversation and we we understand whether or not we vibe together or not. Other agents they vibe with each other as well or not um, and so you're trying to create confidence for your buyer so that if they do choose your offer that they feel comfortable in that choice great nice well now that they have the right realtor um, the next step is to look for a loan so how do you suggest them going apply for a loan and things along those lines okay so that's an excellent question so your the realtor can give you some really great recommendations on who might be the best match, again, talking about matches, to, um, to talk to about getting a loan. Some people may have already gone to their credit unions or their local banks to get information, um, but then there's also mortgage brokers. And basically the biggest difference between a mortgage broker and the banks is that the banks lend only their certain products, where a mortgage broker is gonna go and they're gonna look for a lot of different products with a lot of different banks, and, and they're gonna, um, find the best one that works for you. So when I have someone that comes to me and they haven't talked to a lender, usually I recommend three different um, lenders of who they could you know, talk to. I may recommend more one than the other based on just personality. Um, you know, I have people that are a little bit more laid back, patient and understanding, and I have some that are really aggressive that'll call you at six o'clock in the morning wondering where their paperwork is. So to me, it's all about making sure that I put them with the right person, and then I constantly get feedback throughout the process of how it's going. Um, and then obviously, it's understanding the different type of loan products that work for you. And that, that's really where the lender comes in and explains those, the different type of products that are available for you, whether it be conventional, FHA, CHAFA, VA financing. Right. So, it, it, so what you're saying to summarize, you know, in the in the fast-paced world that we have, there's two ways you can go. You can go to the bank, people that you know, you can sit in front of them. They may be sometimes limited in some of their options, so you might want to get at least one or two more opinions from either a mortgage broker or maybe another bank to try to get a most competitive rate in that scenario. Absolutely, absolutely. A lot of people are doing rate shopping right now, and I think it's important to highlight the fact that your interest rate is very specific to you. So, you know, you can see the advertisements on the TV, you know, maybe something comes up and they say, oh, go with us because, you know, we've got this great interest rate. Um, it's important to read the fine print there as well because sometimes in the fine print you might have to pay points. But uh, an interest rate is individual to you. It's based on, you know, your debt to income. It's based on your credit scores. Um, and it's basically about how, how much risk the, the lender may be taking on to loan money to you. Absolutely. So that, that, that mortgage process is something that's involved and it's changing on an ongoing basis. That was good to summarize the, the first couple processes on it. Yeah. Awesome, so kind of working with that mortgage process, right? So now that we know who we should talk to and kind of the different mortgages that are out there, how much money do I need to buy a house? <laughs> so that's, a, that's actually probably one of the biggest questions that people come to me and ask me is how much money do I need? There's a difference between a down payment and closing costs, okay? Down payment is how much money you're gonna put down to um, lower the loan amount. So for example, if you're borrowing, um, if you're pre-approved up to 300,000 and you're putting 20% down, 
then what are you actually borrowing? And that's $240,000. So you're, so you're putting down 60,000. That's separate from closing costs. The closing costs are the costs that are associated with actually doing the loan. Loan origination fees, credit checks, um, and it's made up of prepaids too. So the money that the lender's gonna set aside in a special account for you to pay the taxes and your insurance so that you don't have to worry about it, okay? Um, there are different types of loan and it all depends on what you qualify for. So for example, there are some products that are no down payment at all. Chaffa being one of them. It's a Chaffa DAP. Uh, Chaffa is backed by the state of Connecticut, like FHA, but backed by the state of Connecticut. And then there's the Down Payment Assistance Program, which we abbreviate as DAP. So Chaffa DAP. There are income requirements, though, for, um, for qualifying for that. But essentially, you qualify for that, and then the DAP program is going to take care of your closing costs and down payment, and you'll have a separate little um, payment each month to pay that back. So that's no pocket. No money out of your pocket. FHA would be 3.5%. There are 3% down conventional products. Um, again, you have to qualify for these. VA is 0% down and no PMI. So if, um, if you did serve, um, and there, there's you know, criteria involved in this as well, it's important to talk to the lender and, and make sure you qualify for the VA. Um, and then there's conventional. 20% down though, pretty much is how you avoid PMI insurance unless the lender can, you know, you can pay it up front and not have to pay it. But so there's a lot of different options. So basically with the down payment, you're going to be looking at somewhere between 0% and 20% as the range. It all depends on what type of mortgage you take out. It's unique to everyone's exactly. specific situation, which kind of seems to be the theme that we're talking about, right? Every single process is unique to them, Absolutely. which is why working with the right you know, working with the right agent to buy your house, exactly. working with the right mortgage broker, everything's gotta be right for you. That's exactly right. There's nothing cookie cutter about this business. Like I said, I've been doing it for a while now and it's never the same. And I think that, you know, as an agent, when you're working with buyers and sellers, it's an individual experience. It's, it's there's nothing that's this cookie cutter about it. Yeah, so um, one thing just to expand a little bit on, you mentioned the prepaids, right? Mm -hmm. Talking about putting money in an escrow account to handle taxes insurance, you don't have to come up with the bills at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. Could you talk a little bit about the prepaids of, that where you're paying back the seller on kind of some of the taxes that were already been paid or some of the other stuff that's already in the house that kind of those surprise costs that people run into at closing? Okay, so um, in the towns of Meriden and Wallingford specifically, and I think this is where Mike's coming from too, he may have remembered, and I think you do remember, is that when he bought a house, um, their taxes are done in arrear. So actually the seller owed you money right. at the closing, which kept your closing costs down. But that's actually not the norm because it's, it's very select towns in Connecticut. So um, say a town uh, pays their taxes biannually, so the taxes are due July 1st. And the seller's already paid up till July 1st, but you purchase a place in March. Well, then you're occupying it for April, May, June to July 1st. So you owe the seller three months back of taxes. Um, your homeowner's insurance bill is a little bit separate, but it is prorated as well. But the, the lender is gonna wanna create a little bit of a padding in your escrow account. So they're gonna collect a little bit more than what you actually need at the time, just in case any of those rates change throughout the year. But yeah, the, the taxes are probably one of the biggest adjustments um, when it comes to your closing costs. And it's important to kind of estimate those 
for, for your buyer, you know, the question is, is how, well, how much my closing cost going to be? And we never really know an exact number because since everything's prorated, but you can kind of come up with a good number that falls within at least $1,000, give or take, of how much those closing costs are going to be. Like good faith estimate, absolutely. Yeah, so when the lender, um, yeah, when the lender discloses the loan, that, that's, that's in there actually, kind of what their approximate closing costs are going to be. Awesome. I mean, so now that we've bought the home, we're in it, um, imaginary. Now let's think about, hey, can the next question is, can I afford this house? And there's a lot of things that come along with it. Why don't you talk a little bit about how you walk you through your buyers on the, the overall cost of the house? Okay, so there are many times that buyers come to me and they, they're pre-qualified up to a certain amount. And I'm just gonna, this is an experience that I had very, very, very beginning of real estate. They came to me, they were super excited. They were pre-qualified up to 300,000 in merit. And you could get a lot of house for that money in Meriden at the time. Um, and so I was pretty excited because I was new, right? And I stopped though to ask them what they were hoping that their monthly mortgage payment would be. And at the time they said, oh, well, you know, we were hoping it would be around $1,200 a month. And I said, well, wait a second. That doesn't match up with a $300,000 house. So they, according to the lender and their debt to income and everything like that, you know, the lender said, okay, you can afford a $300,000 house, but there's a difference of what you can afford and what you want to afford, okay? So whenever I meet with someone, I always ask that question. What do you want to afford? Is it $1,500 a month? And let's work those numbers backwards and see how much the house is then that you really need to be looking at. An important part of that is not always the price of the house, though, it's the taxes in the town that you're looking at. So for example, if, if someone was looking between um, Wallingford and Hamden, the mill rate in Hamden is much higher, so the taxes are going to be much higher, which means the house I'm going to buy over there has to be less money than the house in Wallingford. The price of the house can be a little bit more money because the taxes are a little bit less. So I actually have an app on my phone. It's never a substitute for being a mortgage lender in any way, shape, or form, but I can just plug in the numbers and say, okay, this is what the price of the house is. This is how much you're putting down. You kind of, kind of estimate where the, the interest rate is right now. And, and I show them, okay, you really like this house? This is where this payment comes in. There's also times where someone may send me a house and I know what their monthly affordability is and I send that to them before we go and look at the house. I say, guys, this is, this is like $300 more than you want to spend. Um, do you still want to go look at it? Let them make that decision. Because like you said, there's all these other things that come into affording a home that really isn't taken into consideration, like your electricity bills, your oil bills, your cable bill, your internet bill, um, all these streaming services that all these little things add up. Um, oil bill being, you know, one of the biggest things when we have a heating season that I think just really kind of takes people by surprise. And the electric bill, actually, to be honest with you, is, is a huge surprise to a lot of people. Yeah, you know, and it's, it's funny you mentioned that, you know, there's a big difference between what you can qualify for and what you can actually afford. And that and that's a big part of what we do too, right? When we're working with someone, they tell us like, hey, I'm getting ready to buy a house. Great, we've probably taken a look at your budget. We've looked at your whole financial plan. We can help them decide that number that you mentioned and then working backwards with your realtor to say like, okay, I can afford $1,500 a month or $2,000 a month, whatever it is, helps them find the house that they can afford and they can actually live in as opposed to what the mortgage lender says they can qualify for. Because let's be honest, 
the mortgage lender wants you to take your max qualification because that's the largest loan that they're going to originate. Yes, yeah. People don't even think of that when they think of affordability. But um, yeah, it, it, and it's always, what I always try to do is start at the lower end of someone's price point. So for example, if they're pre-qualified up to 300, we're not just running and looking at $300,000 houses right off the bat. I'd rather show them 250, 275, and then they can make an educated decision on whether or not they want to increase that price point based on what they've seen. So again, it's all about making an educated decision and you can't start high and go low, but you can always start low and work your way up higher and that way you've done it in an educated way. Absolutely, I think it's important to balance that life living you know, type of atmosphere because if you think about it, if you're right at the cusp of how much you're making, you're not gonna be able to have enough money for traveling, extracurricular things, going out to eat. So even though you're in the house, you still wanna be able to live. Yeah. And I think that's what you have to balance is figuring out, okay, well, how much wiggle room do I have? The more wiggle room that you have, the more comfortable you are with it and the more things that you can do on a regular yeah. basis with it. Yeah. I don't want people being house poor. That's what I call it. All right, thanks. So let's take a quick break and we're gonna to head to our community spotlight. Welcome to this week's community spotlight. Our community spotlight is the point in our show where we like to highlight the local businesses in our community that help make it tick. This week, we're focusing in on our guest from EXP Realty, Realtor Amanda Zorovich. Amanda can be reached at 203-886-6600, and she's located at 108 Willis Avenue in Meriden, Connecticut, 06450. Welcome back. Let's keep going with these questions. So Amanda, when I'm inside a house, I'm actually looking at the house during the showing, what are some things that I should be paying particular attention to? Okay, so we have a lot of um, buyers that come into this marketplace, and it seems like a lot of the buyers are really enamored by the pretty things. And when I say pretty things, I'm talking about granite countertops, stainless steel appliances, um, and they're, they, they're really focused on that, but that's only because they don't know about what other things to look at. Um, in this market, a lot of buyers are waiving their home inspections. It's not something that I will ever recommend to any of my buyers. Um, you know, I try to go through and do a very thorough look at a house and, and tell people what things I think might or might not come up at a home inspection, but it's never a substitute for that actual inspection where someone spends a couple hours there um, really diving into everything, even down to whether or not a door closes all the way. The things that I think are important are the major things, things that are gonna have to be done at some point in time. Cosmetics never really have to be done, it's a preference. But when it comes to owning a home, roofs, mechanicals, windows, those things will you know, eventually have to be addressed at some point in time. So really looking at those and saying, okay, how old is the roof? Because your insurance company is also gonna ask you how old the roof is as well. And that could make a difference in your insurance premium. You know, how old is the boiler? When was the last time it's been serviced? Um, the electrical panel box, is there fuses? If there's fuses, then it's time for an upgrade. Um, but, you know, looking at those things with that type of lens, I feel like I'm kind of a detective sometimes. I always did want to be a cop, to be honest with you. But when I pull up to a house, I feel like I'm already looking at it for to see, you know, what I think of the house. It's a little bit of a curse because I go to my friend's house sometimes and I'll be like, oh, you need to take care of that fascia um, because it's really rotting and animals are gonna get into it. Um, so I teach my buyers to try and look through the same lens that I do. So, 
you'll remember, Mike, I was always talking about things, but it's never a substitute for a home inspection and having someone come in and that's their job specifically. So I do warn people about waiving their home inspections in this particular market because um, you, you might be missing some things that are really important. I mean, I think you bring up a good point there. Um, I recently bought in Florida and it was a new place mm -hmm. and people are still doing home inspections on a brand new unit. Yes. So that is something that you recommend, whether it's new, whether it's old, is to go through a home inspection because you're, you're getting a, a professional in there to look at some of those costs. Absolutely. In the state of Connecticut, when it comes to new construction, I'm not sure about you know Florida, there is... Um, the contractor does have to give you a one-year warranty on that. So if there are any defects found, um, then the contractor, the builder, is supposed to fix those. But it can come down, remember, the, the builder is, has subcontractors, and they have different subs coming in and doing stuff, and you know, mistakes happen. It's, hu it's human nature, whether it's reverse polarity or an electrical outlet or the grounding of an outlet or maybe even a leak because it wasn't soldered 100%. You know, those things... You know, maybe those are a little in the grand scheme if you know the builder has to come back and, and replace them. But I, I've seen some stories about new construction and how that's come back to haunt people as well. So getting back into the original question as sure. well. So when you're looking at a house, some of the things you're looking for, um, I was always told to go back at certain different times to look at the house when the sun's setting or what traffic might be. Do you advise clients to do that as well? Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we don't... The thing is, is that buyers don't have a lot of time to go back and look at a house for a second time in this particular market. You get one shot and it's usually a 15 minute look, <laughs> um, which I mean, let's be honest, how can 15 minutes be enough to really evaluate whether or not the $600,000 purchase is the right one for you? It's kind of crazy. But yes, um, I think one of the best days to look at a house is when it is raining like crazy or the day after it's raining like crazy because some of the major concerns that buyers have is, is there water in the basement? and is the roof leaking and what better time to actually see that going on than after a huge rainstorm if it's been an extremely dry summer you may not know if there was ever water in the basement technically it's supposed to be disclosed the sellers are supposed to disclose it um but yeah that, that's my favorite time actually to go and look because you can see how the house is holding up against some of mother nature's yeah so it's funny you mentioned that you know like with, with my own scenario right so we did our home inspection, it was absolutely pouring rain. Mm -hmm. And my property, I have a gravel driveway, mm -hmm. I have a river that runs through the backyard, yeah. and it was it's right on the edge of a flood zone. Yeah. So I remember when we were pulling up, you said this is the best day we could possibly look at it because it's gonna tell us a lot about the water, the driveway, the, you know, the river, and how it's gonna affect, and everything worked out just as it was disclosed. Yeah. But it was one of those things where, you know, if it wasn't raining, the first time it rained, it would have been like, okay, now we're really going to find out. And that just happened to be lucky. Right? Exactly. You know, there's really nothing you can do other than, you know, maybe if you're under contract, drive by, yeah. you know, on a rainy day, but that's pretty much it. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of people, I'm um, going back to, you know, this, the, the light and the sun setting. I have a compass on my phone um, because people are really concerned about where the light shines in, where it's, you know, where it rises and where it sets. Um, so having a compass on your phone, but definitely going back during different times of the day, I think is helpful. Awesome. So let's lead this into our next question. You talked a little bit about it already is repairs, all right? Mm -hmm. There are some things that you see right off the bat that you don't need to fix. Um, when you're picking a house, um, and, and specifically with some of those repairs, 
Should you ask for money back? What's that process in there? Should you say, okay, well, you know what? If, if we want the house for 300,000, there's a $5,000 repair. Do you eat that in today's market? So tell us a little bit about some of the repairs. So, you know, and again, this applies to today's market. A lot of the sellers are selling their houses as is. So they're, they're saying, okay, you can have a home inspection, um, but we're, you know, we're not really willing to make any repairs, okay? Now, when I'm on the buyer side, say something major comes up that would be considered a material fact. A material fact is something that would change the buyer's mind completely, something major like a crack in the foundation, um, a septic that's not working. I would actually go to the seller then and give them the opportunity, even though they told me they're selling it as is, to try and fix it because then they will have to disclose it to every other buyer down the street. If you're waiving your home inspection, then, then you will never know, of course. Um, when it comes to home inspection items, just because I may think that something needs a new roof, it's not, my offer and the buyer's offer, I would not recommend reflects that in the initial offer because I'm not a professionally licensed home inspector. So when you have a home inspection, usually that home inspection happens within 10 days, give or take. And then you will have an opportunity then to go to the seller to ask them to either credit you money to make the repair, reduce the purchase price, or you can terminate the agreement altogether if you can't come to a meeting of the minds. That's, that's the, you know, the purpose of the home inspection. But in this market, it's been really challenging to get those repairs done, if anything. So you're buying it, you're like, yeah, I know this is what's going on with it, but I'm gonna take that on. Um, it'll so usually- it, It's, it's interesting you mentioned that with um, people listing the home as is, right? Mm -hmm. um, but still going through the inspection because even though you know you're not gonna get anything credited back or paid for, that knowledge can still shape that huge decision because the reality is, yeah, it's a challenging market, but you're making a 20, 30 year decision and if something's drastically wrong, you still have to fix it. Exactly, so the, the point is on, on the buyer side, if you're making that offer and I'm usually submitting a it's, a, it's called a rider, so it's in addition to the contract and as is rider. So it allows me to have a home inspection. It's letting the seller know that yes, we know that we're accepting it as is. However, it still gives the buyer an opportunity to back out if something major comes up. Um, and that's why sellers are gravitating towards the offers that don't have a home inspection because that's one less thing that they have to worry about. Um, you know, when, I, when I'm talking to my buyers, I tell them to try not to be picky about little things. Um, let's worry about some of the big things, you know. Um, and if there's major things, then we really need to come to a decision. A new septic system, that would be a major thing. Right. That's something that could cost 20, 30,000, could be 10. It depends on what needs to be done. But that could be the difference of someone moving forward with a house or not. And that's not just extra money that buyers have laying around to repair a septic system right off the bat. So I want to make sure that my buyers still have the right to terminate an agreement if they need be. Um, and so that's where, where the as-is comes in. So you mentioned a little bit talking about like preparing the offer and figuring out how do buyers decide how much they should offer and, and where to go? So I used to be a real estate appraiser. I'm, I'm not anymore. I'm not a, a licensed real estate appraiser anymore and I haven't been for years. But it's kind of hard for me to take that hat off um, because um, I'm, I'm actually a science major, so I like evidence, okay? So when I'm working with buyers, and Mike, you'll probably remember this, is, you know, when we made the offer on your house, I sent you 
other houses that they felt as though that were similar to yours that sold in the past year to help you make that decision on how much you should offer. Now, whether or not the, we're gonna call them comps, comparables, whether or not those comparables support the list price or not is another whole issue, especially in this crazy market. So there's sometimes, you see appraisals work in the past. You know, when you're looking for sold things, they're working in the past, they're not working in the future. And in the past, we know when a market is trying to come up, then obviously the past is not gonna support the future. So how do you reconcile that? It's really hard and it's always the appraiser's job, never my job to reconcile, but my job is to provide you with tools to be able to make an educated decision. And if I remember correctly on yours, Mike, I think we had a hard time reconciling some of the sold properties on yours to, um, to validate what we were offering, right? Yeah, so, so like in our area, there's just was not a lot of activity at right. the time. So it was hard to kind of find those comps in our area for the size house, you know, and everything like that um, to be able to, so we were kind of shooting in the dark a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, you know, with mine too, obviously completely different time. House had been on the market for a while. Yeah. Which also plays into the decision a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, people are still offering 10, 20, 30, $50,000 over list price right now. The thing is, there's, um, there's, in most cases, there's gonna be an appraisal. So it doesn't matter what you as the buyer wanna offer, the lender is gonna to wanna to protect their collateral. And the protection is by sending an appraiser out to make sure that what you offered the house is worth it. Um, and if it's not, and the appraisal comes in low, then you gotta go back to the drawing board again. Now, there are some buyers that are waiving their appraisal contingency because they, they're willing to pay the difference. I'm not sure I'm really on board with that. <laughs> I make sure that I, I, I let the buyer make that decision, but I make sure they have all the information to be able to make that decision because I don't want them to be in hot water a few years from now if they ever have to sell. I think you bring up a great point there, and, and the, the point is you should work with a professional real estate person to give you that guidance, that advice, to help you get to that point. Absolutely. So you're not either paying too much or paying too little, and, and, and obviously in that scenario, you might lose out to someone else. Absolutely. That I have some buyers, and, and Mike knows how honest I am too. They'll be like, if I offer, uh, uh, this is a perfect example. There was a house that was listed for 439000 He said, if he offers four fifty, do I think he'll get it? And I looked him straight in the eye and said, no. And he looked at me, kind of dumbfounded, and he made the 450 offer. Um, he felt pretty good about it. He even told me, he's like, I got a good feeling about this. And the whole time I'm like, no, I, I'm thinking to myself, I definitely don't have a good feeling. We did not get the house. I think it went close to, um, if I was to guess, closer to 500,000 at that time for that house in that location. Well, it's funny, because when I was looking for houses, you know, way back when, you know, I, I would I would shoot for ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars over what the asking price is. So you yeah. wouldn't advise me to do that in today's market, would you? Yeah, no. Um, well, so what I would do is I would make sure that you had all the evidence to be able to make the most educated decision that you could, um, and then I would also talk to the agent to see if I can fill them out about what kind of offers are we looking at. Like, do I even have a shot? Yep. You know, because. You know, you make an offer, you're waiting three days to find out sometimes. Yep. And that's excruciating yep. as a buyer. So if I can find out information that says, you know what, if you're only offering 10 over, do we have another shot? Then at least you know. Great, well this is definitely good advice. Our last question is, what if someone has bad credit, all right? 
what is that approach and if someone doesn't have great credit and you talked a little bit about like FHA loans and other types of loans talk to us a little bit about that please so I um, you know I guess the one of the questions is is what does bad credit mean so what is bad um, and there are different lenders that look um, that lend on different credit scores that will some that'll go even into the high 500s but at the end of the day to get the best interest rate you want to work on your credit so there's credit repair companies that you can talk to I really think it's important to be monitoring your credit in some way shape or form whether it be you know there's these online ones and they have apps that are free right now where you can look at your credit um, at least monitoring it and then if your credit's not in a good spot and you want to buy in a year have a conversation with a lender and find out what you need to do a lot of people think that they know what they need to do when they really don't know how to fix their credit so talking to someone that can help you understand to get yourself in a better position and give yourself time to do that so Amanda, i think you brought a lot of great points for everyone i think you provided a lot of information um you gave us some tools on the lending process some tips on what you should be looking for when you're in the house and you know we kind of wrapped up with you know things that people could look at when repairing the credit do you have any final thoughts anything you'd like to add um no i mean i think that you know if you're thinking about buying don't wait till the last minute talk to a lender make sure your credit's in the right spot talk about what your options are interview agents um, so that you can find the best match for you um, and then I will wish all the buyers the best of luck in this market since it's so crazy. Awesome. Thanks. So that wraps up episode five of Money Equals M Squared. Um, you can find us on Instagram at Team LLT or online at LLTWM.com. Thank you to our guest, Amanda Zorovich from EXP Realty, and have a good day. Thank you. The views and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily the views and opinions of Satera Investment Services. Any recommendations mentioned in this episode are meant for educational purposes only and should not be construed as advice or personal recommendations. Always consult your financial advisor, tax advisor, or attorney for details related to your specific goals, risks, and objectives. Investments have risk and can lose value. They are not FDIC insured. The situations presented are hypothetical to illustrate key topics and should not be construed as actual client situations or experiences. Lagus Lucas and Torello Wealth Management operates under Satera Investors and is responsible for the production of this show. All views and opinions are solely that of Lagus Lucas and Torello Wealth Management. You should always obtain a prospectus when available prior to investing to know your risk, costs, and fees associated with the investment. The advice and strategies presented today are general in nature and should not be used in your planning until you consult with your attorney and CPA on your specific situation. Satera Investors is a marketing name of Satera Investment Services, securities and insurance offered through Satera Investment Services, LLC, member FINRA SIPC, advisory services offered through Satera Investment Advisors, LLC. Satera is under separate ownership from any other named entity, 127 Washington Avenue, second floor west, North Haven, Connecticut, 06473, phone number 203-239-4545. Individuals affiliated with this broker-dealer firm are either investment advisor representatives who offer only investment advisory services and receive fees based on assets or registered representatives who offer brokerage services and receive transaction-based compensation 
or both an investment advisor representative or registered representative who can offer both types of service.